Welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast channel. Working with communities, staff and partners to provide positive outcomes. Hi, my name's Brooke Hodgecase and I'm the Academy Coordinator for Darlington Borough Council. Uh, today I'm going to be speaking to two of our social work apprentices who are approaching the end of their first year of the apprenticeship. The aim of this session is to provide you with an insight into how students in Darlington are implementing a relational approach. We're going to discuss how they develop relationships with families, any challenges or barriers they may face, time taken to reflect and their experiences of working within Darlington. So we'll start with some introductions, so handing over to, to you two. Hello, my name's Charlotte Swainston and I am a Keeping Families Together worker for Dalton Borough Council. Um, so I've just finished in our first year as a social work apprentice. apprentice. Um, I've worked for Dalton Borough Council since 2014 in different roles of family support, um, early help and I've basically done a background of children's and not much experience in adults. Fabulous. I'm Cheryl Stock, I'm a reviewing officer on the Life Stages 26 plus team. I've been with Darlington since 2013, so about seven years now, and I've always been based on the Life Stages 26 plus team. So we work with adults with learning disabilities. Um, I did have some previous children's experience in Durham, but that feels like a long, long time ago now. So, um, and like Charlotte, I'm just finishing the first year of the apprenticeship with Sunderland. So we're looking forward to our second year. That's all exciting. <laughs> That's great. So thinking about your practice, um, how do you develop relationships with families? Um, so... I suppose when we go out on home visits, well, prior to COVID-19, because we're doing them all by teams at the minute, um, but both home visits and via teams, I suppose it's just about being open and honest with the families. Um, always get a better response if you're honest with them. You know, if, if there's something you don't know, they'd much rather you said, I don't know, and I'll go away and check it and come back. Um, you know, good communication skills. Because we're working with people with learning disabilities, we have to use a, a wide range of different communication skills. So we use a lot of different tools and um, use pictures to aid our communication. Um, always agree a plan with people. So, you know, when we leave a home visit or leaving a team's call, just to reassure with them when we'll next be in touch and, you know, what to expect from the plan of action. Um, and then I suppose just as just show anybody to show them warmth, be supportive and, you know, be able to empathise with people because, you know, if they've come to our team, you obviously want some kind of support with something. So just try to be empathetic of that and, you know, they'll get a good response. Oh, fabulous. What about you, Charlotte? Um, so for in our team, I currently work in the edge of care service for Dalton. So it's families where the children are at risk of becoming looked after. Um, so it's really crucial for us to be able to develop good relationships with families um, because that's where we get the best outcomes. They need to be able to trust us. So for that, we need to be clear and honest throughout our support right the way. Um, you know, keeping things very simple, very clear. We try to avoid jargon as much as possible. Oh, that's great. So what do families want from us? 
Um, and what are the barriers to developing relationships with families? Um, I think for us in our team, we're like a crisis service. So we have really limited caseloads as well. So I only work with three families at one time. Um, and for a lot of those families that you go from the in-between of where some families are literally want you out constantly and they want all the support that they can get. Whereas some families don't want any support at all. So you can find that you're, you're chasing yourself quite a lot to try and build up that relationship and that engagement with them. Um, and again, they just want, you know, they want that support. They want the honesty around like what you can do for them and how it can help. Yeah, great. What about you, Cheryl? Um, I think the people that we work with, the because the uh, people with learning disabilities, they want equal opportunities, you know, they want to be able to access the community and build relationships that are important to them. Um, so from us, they want the support to be able to do that. So, you know, it's about giving them just enough support so they can also be independent at the same time, because that's a huge thing to the people that we work with. They still, even though they need support, they still want to be independent. So it's just about us assessing their needs and giving them enough support to meet those needs um, and I suppose the barriers that we face with people probably um, had a negative experience of professionals in the past so yeah. it might not be a social care professional it might be health um, you know any external agency but if you had that negative experience it takes more time for us to be able to to build up that relationship with them um, and work past those barriers yeah oh, that's good examples um and how do how do you help families come up with their own solutions um you know, when you're working with a family, are you aware of when you're working with rather than two or four? And how do you manage any power imbalances um, in that relationship? Um, well, I think it's quite obvious when we're working with people because we can see that they develop the skills and, you know, we, we kind of use the scaffolding approach to be able to give people the skills and then build up those skills to eventually be able to draw ourselves out of that. So our team, because we work with people, you know, from birth to death, we can kind of see the progress that they can make. So yeah. if we if we use the tools that we have to build on their skills and we work we work with them to build those skills up, eventually we can probably not withdraw because once we involve with somebody we tend to be involved for life. Um, but they might they might start off with a lot of support, but at every point of reassessment, we're able to reassess that support and then hopefully withdraw it bit by bit just until they've got minimal support to, to what they need so we always work with them. Um, and I think in terms of um, power broker, what you said about managing power 
that can be seen in working with somebody because if we work for them, we come across as holding all the power and, you know, this is what you'll do, you know, you'll do this. Whereas working with them, it's equal power across the board and they can see themselves as just as important as what we are. There's no hierarchy. Um, and the other thing would be, um, you know, working with them to identify the own outcomes. So yeah. not presuming what they want, not just presuming that, you know, because society expects us to have important relationships. And, you know, I like going out to the shops. I like going out to restaurants. But maybe not everybody does. And it's yeah. about working, working with them to identify their own person-centred outcomes and, you know, not, not do it for them. Doing it for them, you know, we wouldn't be person centered at all, then would we? Yeah, yeah, oh, excellent. What about you, Charlotte? Um, so in our team, we do a lot of work with families to get them to come up with their own solutions. So we use a lot of the miracle questions um, and solution focused practice. Um, and again, it's just giving them a lot of time just to think about what they actually want because often in our team when they're in crisis you know we can't think properly we can't make big decisions so they need to the tools really to be to have that support um and as well in our team we offer a family group conference at the start of every um referral so a family group conference coordinator would be in touch with a family looking at getting them to pull on the strengths you know see how they can support each other because with us we only support people for up to 12 weeks and then it's we hand that sort of again the powers back to the family to be able to support um so in terms of like the, the power as well families often can be quite worried about our team because they're fearful of the power that we've got thinking that we can remove children and that again comes up as a bit of a barrier for their engagement so we need to do a lot of work with families to sort of you know let them know that they're in control really and that break those barriers down um but I think we often go from working with people to doing things for them sometimes as well. So we switch between the working with, the to, the for and the against. Mm. Um, and as we do that, the power can shift a little bit. So you always need to be mindful of, you know, what you're doing and how you're coming across really for families. Excellent. Great. Um, and can you think of a, um, one thing that you do which has worked really well when you've been working with a family? Um, and where do you get time to reflect? So for me, what I've found that works really well is using photo introduction cards. Um, so again, within our team, we've got a lot of different team members that will support a family. And they can become really overwhelmed. Um, so we found using photo cards, it's just really good for, for families to be able to pick out and say, oh, well, actually, oh yes, I remember that person. Um, it just makes it a bit more impersonal as well for them that, you know, they, they can relate a little bit better to that. Mm. Um, and we do a lot of words and pictures with the children. So we look at, you know, making sure that we're as creative as possible in the support that we can give them. Um, and I just find that really helpful. And in terms of um, supervision, that is where we do our reflection. So I do a lot of reflection and supervision. We have sessions where we look at group supervisions as well, where we'll all reflect and get ideas of other people. Um, and I generally find I'm quite a reflective person anyway, so I'll find that I'll be reflecting when I'm 
out and about in the car or at, we have um, reviews every two weeks with families and we'll encourage the families to reflect on their own progress and to, you know, reciprocate where they want to be, what, you know, what they think is working well. So we do that. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, what about you, Cheryl? I think the basics work well, you know, um, because of the people I work with, you have a lot of professionals involved at times. So you can have, you know, health professionals, social care, you've got the providers, you know, so many people. So just the basics works well, introducing yourself, explaining what your role is and what your actual purpose of your work is, because they can have somebody come into their house and you know they won't actually speak up and say what you're here for yeah. and you could sit there for the whole you know if you're there for an hour you could sit there for an hour thinking what's she in my house what's she, what's she asking me these questions but you know people would just answer them a lot of the time because they're that used to having to answer questions so just explain what the purpose of your role is and um, be open and honest like what charlotte said um, and i think the thing that we do that works really well is sharing a blank assessment with the person before we actually go out to meet them. So I think when I first started doing this role, um, I would probably go out with my assessment and all in one visit, I would introduce myself. Uh, then I would start the assessment and you know, I would, do, I would plan what the support plan. And I think after a bit of reflection, you kind of think, oh, that's a bit too much to take on in one go. Yeah. So what we do is now, we send a blank assessment out so that prior to your visit, the person can look through that assessment and they can see what we're going to ask so they can prepare their answers. But it also allows them to prepare any questions they might have. So instead of us setting up the agenda, the person can set the agenda and it, it's not scripted. You know, So every visit you go on, it's not the same script and it, we do have a person-centred approach so that you can look at it, you know, person on person and have it, have their assessment made for them rather than just you fit into this box. Um, and in terms of um, reflecting, like Charlotte said, um, we have regular supervision with managers. We have peer supervision in the office. Um, that's been quite hard during lockdown because we're not in the office. Yeah. And I think sometimes via teams, it's hard to pick up on cues of body language and things like that. So yeah. what we've tried to do is on our team, um, on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday, we've been having huddles, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And yes, we do have an agenda for them. But at the end, we also can add anything we want to add. So if we have like a case that we're struggling with and we want to reflect on, yeah. the whole of our team is on that team huddle. So it's, it's like being in the office. It, it's like sitting down and just having, just bouncing ideas off people. So that, that's where it's like, it's like we haven't to adapt during these times. So the way that we used to reflect might not be how we reflect at the minute, but we have adapted. Um, I think the university as well has provided me with a lot more reflective tools um, like Charlotte said she is a reflective person like when we drive through uni in the car together Charlotte's very reflective she knows a lot of tools to use whereas I think that's probably one of my weaknesses and I've been able to reflect on that <laughs> and, and now I've got more tools to be able to do that so yeah it's working well for me at the moment. Oh 
Oh, excellent. That's really positive. So that links on really nicely, actually. Um, you know, what's good about being a student in Darlington at this time? So like I've just been talking about, um, getting tools for reflection, that, that's been good because I'm basically just repeating what I've just said here. <laughs> but things have changed and we are reflecting in different ways and we are having to adapt. So I suppose being a student at the moment, it's a good learning curve. And because we've been given the tools, be in the forefront of our minds, I think because sometimes when you you know, you qualified social worker, and even being child in our roles, you become complacent, and you cannot reflect as often as you should. So, in these changing times, it's good to be given these tools. Um, aside from that, it's good to be able to do an apprenticeship. So, we've both been able to work whilst we learn. You know, because a lot of people, once you're in a full-time job, you can't necessarily just leave your job and go back to university because you have responsibilities of a mortgage, children, you know, all those important things in life. So, the apprenticeship allowed me and Charlotte to do both those things side by side. Um, and I'm from adults and Charlotte's from children. So, even driving through in the car together and Charlotte talking about children, me talking about adults, we learn a lot from each other. And then we've done placements as well. So, the placements have, you know, given us experience of new areas within the council. Um, so, yeah, it's working really well at the moment. Yeah, excellent. And how about you, Charlotte? I think Cheryl's just stole all my points, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be um, no, for, for me, what I, I love being about a student in Dalton at the moment is it's definitely a bonus for me, the fact that we're on the apprenticeship. You know, financially, I'm the same as what I was before. If I'd have done it through the traditional route, I would have had a massive impact financially. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, we have our study day on a Thursday, which is really helpful. That's protected time. Um, a reduced caseload as well, I should do at times. Um <laughs> And again, like we get our holidays, we've got access to other students as well. We've got support from the workforce development team. Um, we join on and off to the ASYE sessions and things. You know, it's just really good opportunities that we've got as students. So really happy. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Oh, fabulous. Uh, so to conclude the session, um, the the main points I've taken from it um, is the importance of being open and honest, um, working with families to, to really plan and create their own goals, um, recognising that all families are different. You know, um, some engage really well, um, some needs a little bit more time. Um, and it all links back to being open and honest. I think that's come up quite a few times. Um, but it's also been really lovely to hear, um, obviously from yourselves, um, Cheryl and Charlotte, about engaging with families um, and how positive your experiences have been um, of being a student in Darlington or an apprentice. So, yeah. Thanks very much. It's been really good. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for the apprentices for, for contributing. Um, and there's more discussions, podcasts and information on the workforce development pages on the internet. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Darlington Extra podcast on our Darlington Extra podcast channel. For more great content, make sure you subscribe now. 